Hey guys, Pastor Jurgen here. I'm so glad you're tuning into one of our powerful messages that is guaranteed to absolutely elevate your life to another level. At Awaken, we only want to preach fresh, real, powerful to help you grow stronger in your walk with God, develop your faith so you can take more territory. I'm praying that God blesses you and enriches your soul as you listen to this amazing word from God. God bless you. About to bring the legend himself. I want to just do a quick intro. Um, Charlie really stepped into our, our life at Awaken Church. For those of you who don't know, Awaken Church, we have churches in multiple locations. We have multiple campuses in San Diego. We have one opening in Boise. Obviously, we have one in Salt Lake City. And, you know, during 2020, things got real. Things got, there was a dividing line. And we saw this man raise up. He was already fighting the good fight, but he really rose up. And, and we decided that we were gonna rise up as a church. We were gonna open, we were the first to open our doors during lockdowns, because we just said, you know what? If it's okay to riot in the streets, then you know what? And if it's okay to have the liquor stores open and, and different strip clubs open, you can have those open. You best believe we're gonna have church open. You best believe that when the suicide hotline went up 8,000%, that we're gonna be open, have hope. And during that time, we found other like-minded people who were in the good fight for freedom. So will you guys help me welcome to the stage the one and only Charlie Kirk, founder and leader of TP USA and TP Faith, saving our colleges and schools. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Oh, man. Charlie, thank you for coming to Utah. Well, thank you. I love Utah. I see a lot of patriots here, and we're going to have some fun. God bless you all. Thank you. Uh, team, when you took the pulpit, uh, I think my phone was on it, and my questions are on that. So if I could, <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> Come on, only technical difficulty today. So, Charlie, uh, I think we should just jump into it, because I want to give people as much time with you as possible but do just want to say thank you. We know that you, you being here has a cost to it. You have a beautiful wife, a child, and so we're just so thankful that you would give this time to us, and we want to get everything we can from you. And thank you for what you're doing. As a father, thank you for what you guys are doing in schools and colleges all across this nation. Thank you, sincerely. All right, I'm going to go right to it, Charlie. So... Uh, first question, because I thought this was so good. You shared recently on there's five religions in America. And I would just love you to expand on that real quick, because that is such a cool concept. Sure. So as Christianity is becoming less and less popular, um, there are five fake religions that are filling the void. Sorry, I'm getting some feedback here. But um, uh, can you guys hear me okay? Okay, yeah, okay, great. Um, so those five fake religions need to be identified, and they're very similar to some of the fake ideologies and religions that existed when the Bible was actually written uh, in river civilization, pagan times. And I gave a whole speech at Awaken uh, San Marcos about this. I also gave a speech at TCU about this, but I'll go through it really quick. And the, the argument is that most, most people who say they're atheistic or who say they're secular, they're actually 
they're, they're living a religious life, they're just living a fake religious life. And so the five fake religions, as I identified them, and you know, there could be six or seven, but the five major ones, uh, earth worshipers, otherwise known as environmentalists, right? Greta Thunberg types, John Kerry. Uh, the religion of power, right? Anthony Fauci, James Comey, people like that, right? The religion of scientism, which also Anthony Fauci is also involved in. The religion of tolerance, uh, which we could talk about. Uh, I, I, there's a difference between being tolerant and being compassionate. We as Christians are not called to be tolerant of evil. We should not be tolerant of Come evil on. ever. Come so that's on. very important. Come on, Charlie. And then finally, uh, what I consider to be the, the, the most dangerous, the most immediately dangerous of all the fake religions uh, is the religion of anti-racism and the religion wow. uh, or the cult of diversity, if you will, right? Wow. And that one is the, is the biggest immediate threat to the American Republic. Now, wow. all five of them are spreading, they're increasing in popularity. They have been dominating the American zeitgeist and culture the last couple of years. And the argument, and I believe Jesus Christ raised from the dead, the resurrection is real. I believe that he is part of the Godhead. I believe the Bible is inerrant, and I am a proud Christian. If you are not though, you must be willing to accept the fact that as America becomes less Christian, something damaging will replace it. Yes, yes, and, yes. and this is something that we do not talk enough about, which is yes. the secularists and the atheists, or even the people that say, you know, I don't like Christianity because of the hypocritical pastors or because of the skinny jeans or because of whatever, <laughs> right? You know, you, you passed the test, by the way, the skinny jean test. Not everyone at Awaken passed the skinny jeans. I know, right? I know. It's not, it's not always. I'm riding that line. <laughs> yeah, anyway. And I hear all the complaints. That those are... Those are largely silly. The question should be, societally, is America heading in the right direction as we become less Christian? Wow. And it is a fact that it, we are not. We are more depressed, more suicidal, more alcohol addicted, more drug addicted right. as we become less Christian. The Wall Street Journal has come out with a poll in the last couple of weeks that church involvement, uh, local community involvement, having children, belief in God have collapsed by double digits in the last couple of decades. And what is replacing it is these manufactured synthetic worldviews yes. that I yes. believe some of them have satanic influences yep. Yep. and demonic yep. elements to them. Yes. And it's creating moral and societal chaos. Wow. And so even if you do not believe in Christianity, I encourage you to, believe, to be honest enough to say that as America becomes less Christian, it will become less free. Wow, come on, how good is that? This one actually, I've, I've been waiting since you did the San Marcos. By the way, if you wanna catch another one of these, you can go and check out our last Wednesday we did this. But uh, why does it seem like the left is so passionate about transing or pushing that agenda to our kids? So um, a couple things, the, fir the first of which, is they do not believe in the innocence of children. Uh, this, this comes from, it's demonic, uh, but there's a, there's a doctor that everyone should be familiar with, Dr. Kinsey. And Dr. Kinsey did a series of 
uh, experiments on children in the 1900s, and he is well-received in the academy. He has an entire institute at Indiana University Bloomington. They have the Kinsey Center, um, and he wrote some unbelievably graphic books. I'm not going to get into it because it will ruin your night, but I could just say one of the quotes from Dr. Kinsey is he said he had a view of child sexuality that is completely different than what all of us would believe. He said the only unnatural sex act for a child is that which the child cannot perform. So they believe that, that he believed that children are sexual beings, that, that children should have sex with adults. He did uh, graphic sexual experiments with children as young as six months old. Um, he clinically observed them being raped multiple times. Not an exaggeration, not a misrepresentation. Dr. Kinsey, and he is considered to be a genius in the academic world. So this idea of children not being innocent uh, is nothing new. Uh, in fact, it's been widespread. It used to be a fringe idea, but now it's being you know, really widely accepted. They believe that they are liberating children from the Christian Western norms of saving yourself for adulthood, for sexuality, that you liberate yourself to a higher consciousness if you engage in this behavior at a younger age. Um, yeah, these people are perverts, these people are groomers, these people are, are objectionable, and if you're in the ministry, if you are a pastor and you don't talk about it, you should resign because you're a moral coward. Whoa. This, is the, this is one of the great injustices happening in our time. Oh. And, um, well, thank you. Yeah, thank I'm gonna you. stand up for and, that. Um, but but the, there's, a, there's another reason to the trans deal that's important, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody here tonight, I would venture a guess, believes a couple fundamental things, that there is a God and we are not him. Um, the five fake religions, they do not acknowledge that. And one of the reasons why the trans movement is being adopted by the abortionists is it's a fundamental belief that we are here to make nature in our image. And they look at themselves in godlike terms. So the abortionists, the fundamental philosophical agreement that the abortionists have is that we, human beings, should be able to determine life and death as we see fit because we want to be like gods, right? It, it, is a, it is a yearning to have the power that only God has, right? We call that murder. That is why murder is not only not allowed in the Bible, that if you murder, that your life should also be taken, right? That you do not take an image bearer's life without a cost to your own life. Wow. So it's very strictly prohibited yes. in the Bible for a reason, okay? We, we could talk about capital punishment if you want. Yeah. But the point is that the Bible is clear that murder is wrong, that you don't get to do that, okay? Only God does. It's prohibited. Wow. The abortionists don't believe that, but they go a step further. And this is really under the vertical of the religion of scientism, right? Wow. So in the scientism religion, they, they have a completely different approach to science than what we as Christians have. So modern science was largely founded by Sir Francis Bacon, and it was popularized by Sir Isaac Newton. They, these people were largely Christian. Wow. They believed that God made the world with a harmony and a rhythm, that there's a logos to the world, that we want to explore it with wonder and awe, but right. we did not create the world, and we're not here to try to change nature to our liking. Something changed in the 1800s, largely by a group of Hegelians uh, that believed, they were German historicists, that they said, wait a second, if we have this power to inquire into nature, why don't we change nature to our own liking? Why don't we reconfigure nature? Now, mind you, this satanic idea pathogen was nothing new, but a hundred years later resulted in the Nazis trying to exterminate an wow. entire people, wow. okay? Wow. The, the, the eugenicist movement is based on the will of the human being to exert control over nature because I want it that way, wow. because they're not as efficient, they're not as 
you know, that we don't like the way they look. We, we, have all the, we, we believe all these lies about them. Okay, the trans movement is that same philosophical idea pathogen that I am going to change the chromosomal makeup of a being because I want it that way. And by the way, all throughout the, the scriptures, the I will statement is usually used in reference when Satan is talking, okay? Wow. I will, I will, I will. No, no, no. We as wow. Christians believe God wills. Wow. God wills. Wow. Completely different. And so, there, I, I could talk about the trans thing at length. And by the way, your governor is an absolute abject failure on this topic. Yes. You guys have a disgrace as a governor. Total disgrace. And if I offended you, I'm sorry you're wrong. So <laughs> we can talk about that. But the trans thing is fundamental. It is a war on biology. It's a war on truth. It's a war on language. It's a war on natural design. It's a war on child innocence. It's a war on vocabulary. It's a reconfiguration of our norms, our practices for a mentally delusional minority. And that somehow we have to reconfigure all of our society for people that are obviously tormented by something. And instead of giving them compassionate care, we have to change our language and we have to change our bathrooms and we have to change our sports. No, no, no. That, 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 that is not just wrong. It is evil to do yes. that. Okay? Yes. It is evil. Yes. So, but, but why the trans thing? They want to introduce a pattern of thinking that your nature, if you do not like it, you can go through a series of choices to wage war on creation itself. Wow. And first of all, not only is that dangerous, it's also not true. And this is, what is so, this is what's so deceiving about the trans movement, is that despite all of the surgeries, despite the hysterectomies and the breast removals and all of the quote-unquote gender-affirming care, it does not change that you are still a woman or you are still a man. Yes. They are only putting camouflage on. They are, it's a costume. It does not change the being that you are. So this is only a gateway to lots of different things. I could go on at length, but I'll say one final thing. The media mercilessly attacks me with this, but it's trying to create the beginning stages of man merging with machine. It's trying to create you to be open-minded to transhumanism, which is right around the corner, that if your child is less than five years old, they will be a generation where they're gonna try to convince you that if you can be transgender and you can change your gender, you can change your species, and you can hook up to a machine and be like God. Wow, come on. Thank you, Charlie, that was a powerful. <laughs> This question kind of dovetails off it a little bit. Um, people are afraid of not being kind uh, by speaking up in the culture war. What would you say to this? Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so I'm more interested in, are you telling the truth? Wow. And I, th that's Christ. I mean, if you read the Gospels, Jesus was loving, compassionate, but he was not kind to people that used their power and abused their power. Wow. He was not kind to people who told lies. Wow. In fact, he was rather harsh. Yeah. And so to be kind, it's interesting. That's kind of a new English, it's like a kind of a 20th century new age phenomenon. Right. I think we should be loving. The most loving thing you could do is to tell the truth. Come on. And of course, you should not be cruel ever. 
You should be compassionate, but I'll give you a great example. So you take a trans person, okay? Let's just, just let's pretend someone who's trans or not or whatever. So you have a couple choices. The world would say, well, you gotta be kind. So affirm their lie. I would say that's actually being unkind to them. That is being unloving to them. They're made in the image of God and they're believing a lie. They're under a mental delusion that is a complete war on their biology. And I will prove it to you. Do you give liposuction to someone who has anorexia? Someone who has a mental delusion that believes they are overweight and they say, doctor, I need liposuction because I wanna lose weight. The doctor would lose their license if they played into their mental delusion. Wow. If you wanna be, if you love somebody, you love them enough to tell them the truth that will bring them to a place where they could flourish. Instead, you know, this idea of being, I, I don't even, it has to be said in context, but I'll, I'll use a different one, right? Where they say, well, you have to be nice, okay? Psalm 97.10, if you love God, you must hate evil. God does not command you to be kind or nice to people who are evil. Yes. If you love God, you must hate the acts they are committing. And I will tell you, that as an act of worship, I hate the people that are doing hysterectomies to teenagers across the country. I hate what they're doing, I hate their motives, I hate that they're profiting on it. And I refuse to be kind to them. In fact, I think that they need to be cross-examined with truth. That's amazing, come on, come on. It's crazy. It's like Jesus said, speak the truth in love, crazy. All right, uh, another one here. So. I use this generic term. A lot of church people, that we have some here in Utah, believe there are um, that we're in the end times, so they don't engage in the cultural war because they see it as point as a pointless fight. What would you say to this? Yeah, I, I get I get this a lot, and uh, you know I speak at a lot of Calvary churches, Calvary Chapel, founded by Chuck Smith, and they're very focused on eschatology. In fact, one of my closest friends and mentors, Jack Hibbs, is probably one of the most I think amazingly. Amazing theologians on the end times. And so I don't know if we're in the end times. We might be, we might not be. I actually think it's completely irrelevant as to what you are going to do. Come on. And I'm not saying that it's irrelevant to look for the signs. I think it's irrelevant to your action. Let me be very clear. Now, I hear it all the time. Charlie, Jesus is coming next Thursday. I don't need to do any of this stuff, right? We're all going to be zapped up in the rapture. None of this matters. Now, Jesus told you to occupy till I come. He also said the day and the hour is unknown. And I asked the question, what do you, what do you want to be caught doing if Jesus returns? Do you want to be caught being a coward and running to the hills and disengaging from culture? Or do you want to be salt and light? Did Jesus tell you to stop being salt and light if things got hard? If you actually believed the end times were coming, if you really did, and you were not a theological coward, then you would actually want to lean in. But you actually don't believe it. I, I, people that tell me that, I challenge You actually don't believe it if you don't engage. No, you're using that as an excuse to run to the hills because you think God is going to bail you out because you have no courage. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Hey, we never promised it would be easy, but that's truth and love. That's truth and love right there. So uh, uh, the Gallup poll that came out for 2023 puts Utah as the 10th most conservative state. You mentioned our governor, but however, we see a lot of non-conservative policies coming out of Salt Lake City, the city proper. Um, 
Do you think conservatism is safe here in Utah? And what would you say to Utah? No, it's not. I mean, this, this state is, they're trying to turn this into another Colorado. And um, wow. look, the idea pathogens are spreading. Salt Lake City is unrecognizable. They're going to try to bring all these same ballot referendums and ideas and measures here. So what do I have to say about this? I mean, I, I, I work with a lot of LDS. I'm obviously not LDS. You know, I'm a, I'm a Christian, uh, evangelical Christian. I think the world of a lot of LDS people, we see the world differently theologically. But boy, if there's any LDS in the audience here, you have got to fight this woke nonsense that has infiltrated the LDS. Yeah. You have to. Yes, come on. I mean, it is one of the most important things you have to do. In fact, I, I have a heart for LDS waging that war within that community right now, because I'm seeing just nonsense come out uh, here and there, and it's really troubling to me. And it's too bad because the LDS world used to be one of the most reliably conservative organizations and institutions and communities, and it's becoming less and less so. Wow. And so you have to be vigilant here in Utah. They are coming here. They, I mean, you already have, you have one Republican senator, and then you got something else. I don't know what that is all about. So, it's true. Um, and uh, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. I don't know what that's all about. So, but the Colorado used to be a free state. Nevada used to be a free state. Wow. They are coming here. And these idea pathogens are attractive because the fastest growing religions, those five religions are counterfeit substitutes for Christianity. And so, you, no, you're not safe. You're in great, you're in grave danger. And they can flip a state very quickly. If you stop being bold, and if you want to be kind to evildoers, then you're going to lose your state. Wow. You're going to lose your home. Wow. Wow. So we were having an interesting conversation with your friend, Pastor uh, David from New York and in the green room. And he was talking about his book on morality and a hierarchy of it. And I would just love to hear your thoughts on that. Give me an example here. Um, you know, when we vote, is it more... It, as, is sin a sin? So is it the same? You vote for somebody who's okay with abortion, who's killing a baby, but they're kind. And the are there? They're you know they have seem to have self control, and so isn't that not having self control sin? So are they the same? And does it really matter how we vote based off of morality? Of course, it matters how you vote. Everything you do matters in the eyes of God. All your actions do. Wow. And yes, some sins matter more than others in the eyes of God. Murder makes God. On, uh, way unhappier than jaywalking. Anyone who says anything different is, is not is, is reading a different Bible than I am. Right. I, I just it's not even close. How do you know that? It's because the gradation of punishments throughout the Old Testament were were based on the actual crime. It wasn't capital punishment for everything. Okay, and so it, it's there's a hierarchy to the good. There's also a hierarchy to the defiance of the good and the rebellion against the Creator. And involved in that is whether or not you care at all about your community. Well, and so I don't love the term politics because people don't even know what it means. But it really comes from a Greek term, which means the business of the community. And so a pastor will say, I don't do politics. Well, do you do your community? Do you care about what's happening around you? Of course, we serve the poor and we care about the homeless. Oh, so you care about the community. What about who's in charge of your community? Wow. Or what laws govern your community? Oh, oh we, don't, we don't do that because it's too controversial or uh, it's too messy. Okay, and this is what really bothers me about most Christians and most weak pastors. 
And a lot, most churches have very, very weak pastors, and they're just so afraid to engage in this stuff because they, they haven't been trained or they haven't been educated in this stuff properly. You have to ask the question, what is a human being? If a human being is made in the image of God, it changes the entire game, changes the whole ballgame, right? right? Therefore, is Jeremiah 29.7 true, right? Jeremiah 29.7 says, seek, it's the Hebrew word badrash, demand the welfare of the nation or the city that you are in. Wow. Because your welfare is tied to your city's welfare. Wow. Is that true or is that false, right? So as a pastor, as a Christian, you are commanded to care about what's happening around you. That involves voting. By the way, that's the simplest way. I mean, Christians that say they don't vote, that's just so silly. I think it's immoral not to vote. That means I don't care about my fellow man. I don't care about my city. That, that I'm more important than that. It's an act of defiance against the creator and the creation and his people, which are made in his image, that have a soul. And then, people, and then, then I'll get from pastors, well, it's not, I, this one pastor I got in a, a, a really heated argument with, he's a fool, and I don't say that lightly. Um, <laughs> he says, it's not clear to me after the last couple years which side I should vote for. And I say, after the last couple years where they kept strip clubs and marijuana dispensaries yeah. and liquor stores yep. open and they said the church was not essential, Wow. When they forced a gene-altering mRNA shot on our military and kicked out our best and our brightest, our most wow. loyal and courageous, because they didn't want to take a shot that very well might have harmed them for a virus that was not going to harm them, you're trying to tell me that this, it's not clear when we have 5,000 people going across our border every single day, where we had no war in eastern Ukraine and China feared us, it's not clear what side is better, where we had no inflation and our currency was stable, it's not clear which side is better, where all of a sudden we have drag queen story hour in schools across the country, and we have gender, gender queer curriculum, and we have the Biden regime that says that transgender people make up the soul of our nation. Two days after a hate crime against Christians was committed in Nashville by a trans activist, you're telling me it's not clear? No, 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 it's very clear. You have no courage, Pastor Man, and you should resign. Come on. Wow, almost fell over that so good. A foot fell asleep. Wow. So we want to give some time for some Q&A in the audience. I do. Um, so I'm going to tee up one more question, and then uh, we are going to have some microphones on the sides here. And so as this question is wrapping up, if you want to ask a question to Charlie, you can go on either side here of the auditorium. Um, I mean, let's just talk about something really relevant. I'd love to hear your take. We just saw a former president get indicted. What are, your, what are your initial thoughts on this, and what does this mean as far as the direction we're heading? Yeah, so I, I'm actually I was going to do a whole show on this tomorrow, so you guys get the uh, kind of the, the preview. I, I did a whole show on it today, but, you know, somebody said something to me. They said, boy, you know, and I actually said it on my show, and it was technically untrue, so I need to correct it, where I said it was the death of the Constitution. And the, the, the actual um, answer is that the Constitution's been dead for quite some time. Wow. It's kind of when you get... For any of you that have had this experience, it's horrifying, but if you ever, you get in a car accident and you don't really realize how damaged or hurt you are till 10 or 15 seconds after, it's kind of called the aftershock effect. You have right. adrenaline, but you actually start to feel what happened to you previously, there, or, or, or an earthquake occurs, right, and you get aftershocks for days uh, that follow, or the tremors that follow, right? Yeah, yeah. So that, that analogy, the, the Constitution's been dead for quite some time, and if I had to pinpoint the moment this is really gonna irritate the left, so I definitely need to say it, um, <laughs> is 
the, the moment where we kind of just shrugged our shoulders and we rolled our eyes was when the Supreme Court of the United States decided to just overthrow states' rights when it came to homosexual marriage. And th this is not talked about. It's not considered to be a popular opinion. Wow. But look, marriage is between one man and one woman. Let me just say that that, that, is, that is a belief. Thank you. That is rooted in scripture. Thank it's you. It's true and it's in tradition. I, I'm happy to defend that belief. And you know, I get a lot of hate for saying that, which I couldn't care less. But the, the, <laughs> if you disagree with that, that, that's actually not the core element of my argument. The question is, does the Supreme Court have legislative authority to overturn state-directed, citizen-driven referendums where they wanted to say that marriage was one man, one woman. And they basically made a national, they couldn't pass it through Congress, so Anthony Kennedy you know, issued the majority opinion and they put through the entire thing and they said that the state's rights don't matter. And what I'm getting at is that we've actually ignored the Constitution so often the last couple of years that this should not shock us that all of a sudden we're just gonna throw out the greatest, American, the greatest political document in human history. I could go through example after example, but I mean, the fact that they were able to lock us down as much as they were through these lockdowns and mask mandates, we were living in a post-constitutional order. We're just now realizing and recognizing it. I wanna paint a picture for you. Imagine a third world country. Pick any third world country of your, of your liking, Laos, Nicaragua, Honduras, Yemen, and Oman. Imagine a headline in the New York Times. Yemen arrests former prime minister, top satirist, political commentator from the opposition party, raids home of top journalist. This is unacceptable, the State Department writes. Steve Bannon is under indictment top political commentator for the opposition party. James O'Keefe, top political journalist, is under three separate federal investigations, top journalist. Satirist Douglas Mackey made a meme making fun of Hillary Clinton. He's probably gonna face 10 years in jail, just got convicted by a jury of his peers for a meme. Former president indicted. We would sanction foreign countries for what we're doing to ourselves. We would, we would put people up in front of the UN for saying this is unacceptable, tyrannical, banana republic behavior for what we wow. are doing to ourselves. We would send hundreds of billions of dollars to go fight Putin because he's an author authoritarian thug because he locks up political dissidents. I'm no fan of Putin. Hey, newsflash, New York Times, we're locking up political dissidents. How about the January 6th defendants that are rotting in prison right. in pre-trial detention? So I'm not painting a rosy picture. What I'm trying to tell you is that I hope this has finally confirmed for you and woke, you know, awakened you like, whoa, they have crossed the Rubicon. It is so disgusting. The indictment is a joke. It is an insult to our intelligence. They don't even tell you what is the crime in the indictment. They say, oh yeah, he falsified business records to cover up a crime. Then Alvin Bragg was asked, hey, what is the crime? And he says, oh yeah, we don't get into that in the indictment. The time, place, and manner is all screwed up. There, there's, there's, so, there's so much wrong with this, but they do not care. And Donald Trump's crime was not paying off Stormy Daniels. Of course not. Give me a, a break. Um, I didn't say it, and, I, and I, don't, I do not swear as a rule, but I'm getting close because these, uh, these, these people are so evil what they are doing. 
It's hard not to. And um, but I didn't do it. I, I did well not. Done. I did well not done. do it. I probably would have to be honest, but good yeah. job. But um, <laughs> self-control is a fruit of the spirit. There it is. Give me more of that. Um, <laughs> his crime. His crime was winning the 2016 presidential election. Yeah. Yep. It's true. His crime was robbing them of a celebration when Hillary Clinton was supposed to crush the glass ceiling and become the first female president and all that garbage. His crime was sneaking into the presidency. And they said to themselves, we are going to have revenge against you, man. We're going to make you suffer. We're going to humiliate you in the town where you wrote the art of the deal and you saved the convention center and you gave us the Plaza Hotel, not Plaza Hotel, but you, Hotel Commodore, which became the Grand Hyatt, and you bought the Plaza Hotel and the Woman Rink, and you gave hundreds of millions of dollars to charity. Okay, flashy billionaire man who thinks you can defy the ruling class, we're going to humiliate you in a Soviet-style show trial. And you might hate Donald Trump tonight. Your friends might hate Donald Trump tonight. But I question your integrity if you're not angry about this, and I mean that true. I don't care if you hate Donald Trump. I do not care. If you do not have, if you do not have anger pulsating through your being, I don't care if you say he's the worst person ever, if he's a narcissist, if he's all these sorts of things. The way he is being treated is an insult to our system, to our tradition, to our constitution, to how we go about business. This is not about Trump. Trump just happens to be a small player in a much bigger game. Right. In a dark chapter of America. So I hope and I pray that Americans wake up to this. I know many of you are angry because this is not about Trump. This is about the republic that we care about. And to see these people on television, oh, I love it, and this is a great day for America, and that they're so joyous and they're all this. It's disgusting. It's vile. It's ghastly. It's reprehensible. I don't know what's going to come after this. I don't. I I can't make any guarantees. I can't make any anthems. But I, I can tell you this, that... The America I grew up in no longer exists. Right. And I hope we can get it back. Amen. Amen. Come on. If you have a question you'd like to ask Charlie, line up by this handsome gentleman named Rich right there, or this handsome gentleman, uh, actually, yeah, back there on the sides here. So, hey, guys, and, and then yes. just um, please, let's just keep it to tight questions of 20 seconds or less. Somebody's going to violate this, that's okay. But I want to get to as many questions and n- not your lecture. I mean that as lovingly as I can, okay? So, so we're going to start over here. We got a, uh, a high school student that has a question here, so go ahead. My name is Jackson Smith, and I'm, uh, my question is, how do you tell a transgender person that the gender they claim to be is incorrect? Um, you should do so lovingly, but just tell them you're living under a delusion. And, no, I mean, let, let, me, let me prove it to you, okay? If somebody came to you and said, I can fly, and I'm going to the tallest building in Utah, and I'm going to show you that if I jump from this building, I'm going to fly, would it be loving or unloving to tell them, no, you can't? Wow. If somebody came to you and said, I have an invisible friend, and the invisible friend told me I don't need to eat anymore, would it be loving or unloving to tell them they're living under a delusion? Wow. Since when do we all of a sudden get really cowardly when somebody starts to believe something that's not true. So, so good. 
We'll go out to this side now. My name is Shannon McInnes, Charlie, a huge follower of yours. Not sure if you're aware out here in Utah, um, but they decided to change our Utah state flag um, without even asking the people of the people that live here. Um, we're trying to do a referendum on the ballot right now to actually give the people a say, regardless of if you want to preserve our history or not. What are your thoughts on that, and what are you, are, were you ever aware of that? No, I'm not, I'm not aware of it. But as, as a general rule, uh, I think that anything the progressives want to change is usually a bad idea. So... <laughs> Very true. Thank you. We, we have two lines, guys, so if you want to yeah. maybe get your yeah. question in quicker, you This can line's bigger. Some yeah. people head over there. Okay. We'll go over here next. And I, I can go and... What is the single most effective thing that we can do yes. to help? That's a, great, that's a great question and the most important question. Okay. So I get, I get asked, Charlie, what can I do? It seems overwhelming and all this. So there's the macro is incredibly depressing right now, Right. But you must understand that dutiful action to the Lord and to your nation in the micro is necessary day by day. So you must do beautiful things every day that are going to live longer than your breath and your existence. Have children. Build institutions of learning. Build churches. Build a business. Build wealth and give it back to people that are fighting. That stuff is way more important that is going to be long-lasting. So what I'm getting at is become an instrument of your own optimism. People ask me, Charlie, are you optimistic or pessimistic? I refuse to answer the question because if I say I'm optimistic, you're going to go home and say, oh, we think I don't have to do anything because Charlie said we're optimistic. If I say I'm pessimistic, you're going to go home and say, I don't have to do anything because, you know, Charlie said it's all over. (laughs) But I... I live a beautiful life. I have a wonderful wife. I have a daughter. But also, I have an opportunity to know that every day I'm giving everything I possibly can for the cause. Everything. Every ounce of my being, my energy, three hours of radio day, speaking across the country, running an organization, you know, fighting with all these maniacs, right? All this (laughs) stuff, right? Now, that might not be your calling, right, to do, you know, to be as all involved as I am, but then carve out a fraction of time energy, money, or resources to do something that will last longer than you. And if you do that for a long period of time, and millions of people do that, eventually we're going to see the fruit. Martin Luther had a great quote. He said, if the world was ending tomorrow, I would still plant an apple tree. It, It is completely irrelevant how dark things look. Stop it. We could talk about that all day long. What are you going to do? I'm going to do something that is bold and good, rooted in duty and virtue and beauty. That's what matters. You have zero excuse not to act. You might say, well, Charlie, be more specific. For young people, get married and have lots of children. For entrepreneurs, make a lot of money. A lot of money. Go make a lot of money, build a business, serve the Lord in that business, and give back that money to this church and to Turning Point USA, and to charities and politicians, and give faithfully with the fruit that God has given you. Okay? Beautiful. Come on. How's it going, Charlie? I'm Austin. Uh, I just had a question related to Second Amendment rights. We saw the shooting that happened uh, recently, and a lot of people are upset but I'm seeing people argue for the other side that they want to take our Second Amendment rights away. Uh, how do we convince them that 
it's important to have the right to defend ourselves and uh, all that good stuff. Yeah, it's a great question. Thank you. So I'm a big Second Amendment fan, but I think most politicians are cowards when it comes to defending why we have a Second Amendment. This is why I would not be a good politician, or maybe I would, I don't know, but because I, I actually speak my mind. The Second Amendment is not about hunting. I love hunting. The Second Amendment is not even about personal defense. That is important. The Second Amendment is there, God forbid, so that you can defend yourself against a tyrannical government. Come on. And if that talk scares you, wow, that's radical, Charlie. I don't know about that. Well, then you have not really read any of the literature of our founding fathers. Number two, you've not read any 20th century history. You're just living in Narnia. <laughs> By the way, if you were actually living in Narnia, you would be wiser than wherever you're living because C.S. Lewis was really smart. So I don't know what, what alternative universe you're living in. You, you just don't want to face reality that governments tend to get tyrannical and that if people need an ability to protect themselves and their communities and their families. Now, we must also be real. We must be honest with the population. Having an armed citizenry comes with a price. And, and that, that, that is part of liberty. Wow. Driving comes with a price. Yes. 50,000, 50,000, 50,000 people die on the road every year. Wow. That's a price. You get rid of driving, you'd have 50,000 less auto fatalities. But we have decided that the benefit of driving, speed, accessibility, mobility, having products, services, is worth the cost of 50,000 people dying on the road. Wow. So we need to be very clear that you're not going to get gun deaths to zero. It will not happen. Right. You can significantly reduce them through having more fathers in the home, yes. by having more armed guards in front of schools. Yes. 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 We, we, we should have an honest and clear reductionist view of gun violence, but we should not have a utopian one. You will never live in a society when you have an armed citizenry and you won't have a single gun death. That is nonsense, it's drivel. Wow. But I, am, I, I, think it's, I think it's worth it. I think it's worth to have a cost of unfortunately some gun deaths every single year so that we can have the Second Amendment to protect our other God-given rights. That is a prudent deal. It is rational. Nobody talks like this. They live in a complete alternate universe. So then how do you reduce? Very simple. People say, oh Charlie, how do you stop school shootings? I don't know. How did we stop shootings at baseball games? Because we have armed guards outside of baseball games. That's why. How did we stop all the shootings at airports? We have armed guards outside of airports. How do we stop all the shootings at banks? We have armed guards outside of banks. How do we stop all the shootings at gun shows? Notice there's not a lot of mass shootings at gun shows. There's all these guns. Because everyone's armed. If our money and our sporting events and our airplanes wow. have armed guards, why don't our children? Thank you, Charlie. Thank you. Thank you. My name is Diane Anderson. I'm the mother of nine, so I've done my duty. Fruitful and multiply. That was my career choice. Um, my definition of gun control is use both hands. <laughs> but my question is, um, 
our government has been was taken over in bankruptcy over a hundred years ago, and we've been being run by a government services provider that's a pri privately owned companies, and they don't. I, I was told by a, a magistrate um, in, in a magistrate court. I'm claiming my rights in the Constitution. Or you have to tell me this under the Sixth Amendment and the Fifth Amendment, etc. And he said, stop talking about the Constitution. It doesn't apply here. You said that out loud? They don't. It's a private corporation, and we are product. So how do we get our de jure constitutional on-the-land government back? Great question. And you're mostly talking about the Federal Reserve, you know, which is really important. Uh, look, the Federal Reserve should be ended in its current form. It is an un it's a travesty to a free society. And I, I yearn for a day where we could talk about currency, because uh, what they are doing to the American dollar will impact everybody. It's a little wonky, it's a little abstract, but boy, is it critically important. So look, I'm just gonna keep on going back to this refrain, but it needs to be repeated because important things should be repeated. Repetition is the soul of memory, which is you have to be self-sufficient. You have to build out a life where if the currency collapses, you're not gonna be in panic, right? You have to build out a life that if we get, go into societal bedlam, that you're able to be able to sustain yourself. This is something the Mormons get right. I think it's a requirement they have to have preparedness supplies. I mean, we, I, I get these emails, right, because we have my, a, a partnership with My Patriot Supply. It's like the amount of LDS that go to our, wet, our promo code is unbelievable. It's like, <laughs> so you, you, you could feed, like, Cam Cambodia with it. It's really, <laughs> by the way, My Patriot Supply is great, promo code Kirk. Uh, I'm not kidding. I was going to give that. I, 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 well I'm a played. proud prepper, and you should be too. These people are playing a very dangerous game. Societal collapse is the norm, not the exception. Most places fall apart and they don't fall well. Um, so be ready. I'm not telling you it's gonna happen, but if it does, don't be taken by surprise. So how do you get your republic back? Well, how can you defend something that most people can't explain, okay? And so you gotta teach, you gotta dive deep, spend time reading the Federalist Papers, take Hillsdale online courses, listen to our podcast. We, I, I, I believe, and I don't mean this braggadociously, I think we do a good as job as any explaining what Western civilization it is and what you can do to save it and why it matters and why it's exceptional and where does it come from and what you can do to further your world, you know, really further refine your worldview in that regard. And then, then finally, you have, to, you have to also know you have to manage your expectations that politically this place might just become a total and complete mess and get worse. And I mean Utah and nationally. And let me say something really important. I'm so glad I remembered this. Ranked choice voting. They're going to try to bring ranked choice voting statewide here. It's, is it statewide in every election? Oh, I think it's in local elections, right? But it's not in statewide, I don't think yet. Am I, am I correct? I'm, I'm in tracking it, yeah. Ranked choice voting is an awful idea, everybody, okay? Yes. If you do not know about it, you have to educate yourself on it. It is a, it is a, it is a garbage, trash, George Soros-funded election manipulation idea that is already here on local level yep. in Utah, and they're trying to bring it statewide. That's a great issue for you guys to champion. It's one you can win on if you educate enough people on it. So, next question. Come on. Uh, my name is uh, Yitzhak Contreras. My question is, if there aren't enough jobs to go around and the government shouldn't employ more people, what happens to the millions of people who want or need jobs and can't find one? Okay, what happens when millions of people need or want jobs and can't find one? Yeah. Yeah, so we do not have that problem right now, but it could happen with automation. 
but it's still speculative. We actually have the opposite problem. Uh, we have a society that doesn't want to work. Uh, we have a job opening crisis because, uh, you know, kind of being a bum is in vogue, I guess, and just sitting around and not working. So, yeah, I mean, entrepreneurs will fix that problem. We're not going to have that problem anytime soon. Uh, we have a problem with people that cannot find competent labor and skilled labor. So if, in automation in the future, that very well might happen with robots and artificial intelligence and the rise of chat GPT, but I still think we're a ways from that. Thank you. Next question. Hi, Charlie. My name's Sierra, and I'm in the field of mental health, and there's no question that we have a really horrible problem with it right now across society. My question to you is, with being a conservative in the therapy and the psycho in psychology, it's very liberal, and we're fighting the boards more than we're fighting trying to get clients in. What would you suggest to someone in that area? What, what, what power do we have to the boards? And also, where do you think it's what do you think it's going to help in society and mental health? It's great, great. Thank you for being in that field. It's necessary. Um, the, the, the <laughs> Most people in the, psycho the psychology, psychological world are completely messed up in their view of actually what psychology should be. And I'll give you an example, right? Uh, it, it is the wrong moral approach to view your role as a therapist to affirm the error in the patient you should try to cure the error in the patient. So this idea of gender-affirming care is wrong from the first couple words. You're not there to affirm the delusion. You're there to cure the person. You're there to heal them. You're there to make them better. And so, but they'll, they'll say like, well, it's the more loving thing to do and the approach there, it's totally incomplete garbage. It's wrong. It, and by the way, they're, they're a walking contradiction. In cognitive behavioral therapy, which is robust and it works, you have to challenge the patient to eventually face the thing that they fear the most, and through courageous action, albeit through a lot of work, you're able to then conquer that. Just like, for example, the fear of flying, right? If somebody has a fear of flying, which is a big issue in America, and praise God I don't have that problem because I've flown millions of miles, right? The, the clinical data and literature is not that you try to ban planes. <laughs> Say that again, wow. You try to get the person to come in contact with that untrue intrusive thought that might, they might be having a false relationship with and eventually taking that very adventurous and courageous step to step on an airplane. And it works. The clinical data shows that has worked for decades. And yet, we throw out all that literature and that proven psychological, um, not, not, not just tradition, but just method for gender affirming. And we say, not only do I have to affirm your delusion, not only, but now you, I'm going to empower you to make other people that disagree with your delusion to shut them up and to then tell them they're awful, it's, it's creating these mini tyrants. So what can you do? I, I don't know uh, what you can do, to be honest. It's, it's so over. The American Psychological Association, whatever they call it, the American Association of Psychology, it, it's the, it, you read what is coming out of it. It is rubbish on the transgender stuff. And the gender dysphoria was something they used to say was a mental condition. Now they say it's about identity and personal safety. And again, don't take my word for it. There is a remnant of dissident, clear-thinking psychologists that think this is insane. 
Jordan Peterson is one of them, by the way, and I encourage you guys to look into what he's doing. And so, I, I do not have a degree in psychology, which makes me obviously able to talk about this because most people with degrees, <laughs> no offense, are, are completely, I think, insane. Um, it, this doesn't take a lot of you know, deep thinking, but I wanna commend you. I think there's going to be a dissident kind of network of you know, loving, caring counselors and therapists that want to care for people, but do it in a way that will actually help them. Finally, about mental health, um, I'm a big believer uh, in Dr. Daniel Amen's literature where he says that it's also a brain health issue, where he's like, the health of your brain is really important. I like it because he's unafraid to talk about how al alcohol damages the human brain, how marijuana damages the human brain, how screen time damages the human brain, talking about dopaminergic receptors. I think that we put a lot of that aside to affirm people's addictions when we should try to heal them from their addictions and actually talk about how that negative impacts their mental health. And, and then finally, I think that, you know, we have a crisis of meaning and we're wondering why we have the most depressed, suicidal, anxious generation and alcohol and drug addicted generation in history. It's because we've decided to say that God is dead. And in its place is a crisis of self-harm like we've never seen before. And so how's that going, atheists? How's that going, secular world? Our kids are killing themselves more than ever before. And the question that they are telling therapists by the age of 12 is, I don't know a reason to live. This is a new phenomenon that is an outgrowth of the secular poison, the arsenic that has permeated our society. Jesus is the answer to that. Come on. Thank you for the question. Hello, Mr. Kirk. Thank you for coming. My name is Mary. Um, my question is that you say the Constitution is dead based on the Obergfell decision, but I'm a big fan of the Constitution. And I have to disagree with you given the historical precedent, such as Plessy versus Ferguson being overturned by Brown v. Board, and recently Roe v. Wade being overturned by the Dobbs versus Jackson decision. Given this, how can you say that the Constitution is completely dead? Well, that's a good question. I mean, yeah, I'm not saying it's completely dead, but it's, it's certainly dead in the original intent or the framework that the founders wanted. I mean, but you look, it, it, constitutionally, right, as an equal protection promise and guarantee, how on earth are we able to have January 6th defendants in pretrial detention for two years? How is that a quick and speedy trial as guaranteed by the Constitution? Any, anybody, any lawyer can tell me how that affirms the Constitution. In two years of pretrial detention, Two years. And so, look, elements of the Constitution are still alive and well in certain pockets, but is the tradition, is the promise guaranteed? I'll give you another example. Our government spies on us all the time. The Fourth Amendment, right down the road, actually, is where the data center is for the National Security Agency. Some of you probably work there. Um, I'm, and I'm sure Show you're great yourself. people, but watch yourself. Um, it says, it says warrantless search and seizure. We do it every single day with the Patriot Act. We spied on moms and dads that showed up at school board meetings and called them domestic terrorists. And so my provocative take is that elements of the Constitution have been dead for quite some time. Yes, to your point, I think it's a good one that there are some pockets of you know, a remnant here and a remnant there, but we are living in a post-constitutional America. And I do, not, I do not take joy or delight in saying that. Next question. Hey, Charlie. Uh, thanks for your passion. Thanks for your fight. 
uh, my question is, you know, I'm one of those crazy people in my family. I'm the one that's always on my phone. I'm getting banned. I'm getting blocked. And, you know, before Trump, I never even voted, right? And I feel, I feel a duty every single day to get word out. I own a health and wellness store. I'm constantly passing information to people on health and wellness, on how to help yourself, on how to, how to get, uh, get yourself in order, wake you up. But my question is, you know, being a Christian, right? I mean, I love God, but this whole thing has uh, made me swear a lot. And I've had to repent <laughs> quite a bit. I've had to swear a lot on this, and I've, asked, I, I've been praying more. You just ask God to forgive me. But as a Christian, it's my duty to fight. And I tell my daughters sometimes think I'm crazy, and I'll tell them, I go, you know what? I'm going to go down with the fight. I'm not going to sit around. I'm not, gonna, I'm not just going to sit back and let our country be taken care of us. But, but as, a, as a Christian, how far is this going to go before being a Christian, and where do we take a stand? Well, I think, we're be, I think we are taking a stand. The question is how, and how do we do it prudently? I'll, I'll give a couple things. You triggered something I want to mention to the previous question that I had to mention. We are way over-medicated as a society, okay? We are way over-medicated. And psychiatrists should use benzodiazepines, Zoloft, Xanax, and SSRIs as a last resort. Instead, it's an initial resort. Uh, I firmly believe, and I think the literature supports it, that the damage done to young developing minds when you give them pharmacological comp compounds is overwhelming and it's significant and it's a tragedy how many kids are on antidepressants and they do not need to be an on antidepressants. How about this? Check their vitamin D level and get it over 75 before you give them a serotonin disruptor, right? I mean, give me a break. So. By the way, vitamin D could solve a lot of problems. That's not a joke. It's just that, that could have solved a lot of COVID problems. It could solve a lot of hormone problems. It could solve, it's just that's such, that it's too simple and no one gets rich off of vitamin D, right? And again, it's not, it doesn't solve every problem, but when was the last time you heard the CDC run PSAs about getting people's vitamin D levels up? Anyway, so to your point, look, I, I want to be very clear, and I can hear your passion in all this. You know, Lekwalesa was meeting with a group of Soviet dissidents, and there was a guy who thought he was going to win praise of Lekwalesa. And Lekwalesa was, of course, the head of the Poland and helped bring down the Soviet Union. And this was a guy that was a dissident, and he was, and he was intentionally defied the Soviet Union, and he saw the rule, and he defied the rule, and he went in prison. And then he was eventually released, and he went to Lekwalesa and told the story. And Lekwalesa said, yeah, I don't think you did the right thing. We have enough martyrs. He said, what we need is people that fight prudently and incrementally so that they can last. He said, you were of no use once you were in prison. So what I'm getting at is that you must ask the Lord for wisdom and he'll give it to you generously. But you should not be reckless, right? And you should not act in a way where you know the response is going to be they take you out immediately, right? So whether it be getting banned on social media or whatever. Instead, it's how am I going to stay in the fight for multiple decades to expose tyranny and build things and build infrastructure and push back against this? We have enough martyrs. We do not need martyrs for martyrs' sake. So do not seek martyrdom. If it finds you, that's a separate issue, right? right? Instead, you should be, how do I last? How do I endure? That's a much more important attitude to have. Great. Hi. Hi, my name is Sky, and I was wondering what advice would you give to me um, for um, all the negativity about telling the truth? Can you, re can, can you repeat part of it? Something about telling, I'm sorry. Um, wait, where did you lose me at? Just uh, something about, I, I, didn't, I didn't hear the question. Okay, can you just okay. repeat the question? My name is Sky, and I was wondering what advice would you give me for 
children for people my age to um to um deal with all the negativity about when telling the truth to yeah, people. That's a, that's a great thank you. I sorry. And I didn't then hear wait, you. I have one more. Can I have <laughs> wait, can I have one minute to take a picture with you after this? Sure, you yes, of course you can. Yes. In, in the, in the, in the, as Pastor Jurgen would say, you ask and you shall receive. <laughs> have not because you ask not. Um, so I have to do one Pastor Jurgen yeah, impersonation every as time you I'm out awake. <laughs> so good, Charlie, so good. So, um, nailed it. Um, so, to your first, telling the truth will come at a price. It is not a question, it is a guarantee of the scriptures. And so how do you deal with it? You have to look at it as no different as I'm going to get tougher and my muscles are gonna get stronger. The earlier in life you adopt the attitude, not for God to remove difficult circumstances, but instead to make you stronger for difficult circumstances, the happier and better life you will live. One of the big problems to go with the mental health issue is we have convinced young people that we can rearrange society so that suffering will never touch you. Instead, we should say, let's make you tougher so when suffering does come in your life, you can endure it and still be happy and joyful. Great. Thank you, man. God bless you. Come on. Next and, question. And, and yes, come get a picture afterwards, okay? Hi, my name's Ethan. Uh, I've been involved in political debates and discussions since I was in fifth grade. And so knowing, knowing all the stuff I know now, I'm kind of more afraid to step into like the career field. I'm 18 now and a senior in high school. How am I as a conservative supposed to interact in society while still being able to find a job and not get fired from my beliefs? Yeah, that, that's, a, that's, that's an understandable that's fear. That's fair. So the question is, what do you, what do you fear, right? And um, if you fear not making a wage, okay. Or do you fear the backlash? Do you fear the intimidation, right? And that's a question only you can answer. Um, you should fear God more than all of those things, though, okay? And the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So again, do not be reckless. God gives us reason, and he gives us self-control. At the same time, you have a choice to make. And I don't know what choice you'll make, and both of them are understandable. I can tell you what choice I make and what choice I want more people to make, right? Choice A is that I am going to conform because I want a good job, and I'm afraid of the alphabet mafia. I'm afraid of the rainbow jihadists. I'm afraid of these people that are gonna try to ruin my life. And, but I want a good job, and I wanna be able to buy a home. But you will not be free, and you will not be happy because you will have to be a different person in public than you are in private. And that creates double-mindedness and tension, unhappiness and despair. But maybe making money is important to you because it is for a lot of people. And they tell me, Charlie, I can't do that because I might lose my job and I have a mortgage to pay. Okay. But let me tell you the path that you might want to take. Again, I'm not you. The path is this. Say, hey, I'm going to be the same person in public that I am in private. Wow. So good. And I might not make the same wage immediately, but I'll be free. And I don't have to do the, is anybody listening? Or, oh boy, did I just text somebody something I didn't mean to text them? Or did I get found out that I went to an event? Or did I ask a question? Or did they find out I own a MAGA hat? It's irrelevant. Because everyone knows how you feel and you're free. Yeah. Wow. The number one form of censorship in America is self-censorship. 
And look, there's a lot of good people that self-censor, but you're in your own self-created tyranny. Let me tell you this. The fear that you're not going to be able to make a wage because you speak your mind is largely unfounded. There is a parallel economy of entrepreneurs that are rising up in record numbers that will not just be okay, they'll be enthusiastic to hire you if you speak your mind. So, you have a choice to make. Whatever choice you, you, know, you make will be the right decision for you. I wanna live in a country where people say boldly, I'm going to be the same person in all circumstances. That will make America a freer country. Amazing. We can, we, we can do two more, one here, one there, and then we have to wrap, okay? Hi, Mr. Kirk, thank you for being here. My name is David Barsky. Uh, we are being lied to every day by the mainstream media. What advice could you offer us to influence or minimize the impact that they have on our nation today? Thank you, and uh, it is a great softball to my uh, shameless plug, so I really appreciate that. <laughs> uh, I am gonna do a shameless plug, and that it partially answers your question, then I'll answer it more broadly. Uh, yes, we, we, we are creating media that I think might bless you. Uh, every day, we do three podcasts, three hours of radio. Anyone watch us on Real America's Voice? Anyone watch us? A couple people. Uh, we're live on Real America's Voice for two hours every day. We're live on Rumble, we're live on YouTube. Okay, this is free of charge. It's a way to bless us and bless me. If you guys would take out your phone and just follow this QR code, and you, you press the plus sign in the upper right-hand corner, if you do not know what a QR code is, let me enlighten you. Every single phone has a camera. If it's an iPhone, you just follow the link. If it's Apple, there's that plus sign in the upper right-hand corner. You might, oh, Charlie, it's silly, it's stupid, it's insignificant. It's how we remain strong against the people who wish to censor us when just thousands of people like yourself say, okay, I'm gonna give you a subscription, it becomes very hard for them to suppress us, okay? And tons of other people hear our message. And by the way, this conversation will be reposted on that podcast feed. And so the first thing on the media is stop giving them support. Stop listening to the CNN. Stop reading the New York Times, yes, right? Yes. And then support independent journalism, right? It might be the Charlie Kirk Show. It might be Steve Bannon's program. It might be James O'Keefe's new media company. It might be what Tim Pool is doing, which I'm a big fan of. Whatever it is, find independent content creators that are out there that speak their mind, that are really willing to push the boundaries, that are obviously not controlled by the corporate uniparty, and then say, I'm going to give them my attention. You might not agree with them on everything and have some grace because it might not be as well produced as the big flashy products, but then use your news consumption choices in alignment with the people that are really standing courageously, right? That, that's my recommendation. Whether it be Matt Walsh or The Daily Wire or whatever it is, right? That, go search out that new media because, yes, the mainstream media is lying to you. But we're living through. This is, you want hope? The new media landscape, everybody, is the healthiest it has been in my 11 years of doing this. I look to my left and I look to my right and I see fighters that are wise and learned and filled with the spirit. I see Matt Walsh, I see Michael Knowles, I see Candace Owens, I see Steve Bannon, I see Jack Posobiec, I see James O'Keefe, and these people are young and they're, they work hard and they're industrious and they got a spine. I was gonna use another piece of anatomy, but they have a spine. And 10 years ago, it was hard to find courageous media. It was the same mockingbird nonsense on TV. Over, and it might have been on talk radio with Rush or Levin. Now it's everywhere. Yes. 
We got Bongino. We got these amazing people that are leaning in and they're punching back. So I think we're actually living in a real hopeful moment. The mainstream media is less popular than ever before. The New York Times is losing money. The Washington Compost is losing money. The MSNDC is losing money, right? And they're losing viewership. And so please, I implore you, support the good guys. Support those of us that are doing daily content. It is hard. It is expensive. It's risky. But boy, it is worth it because... When I see all of a sudden that we reached, literally last year, 140 million individual people wow. downloaded our podcast, I'm like, hey, you know, we did something. And praise God for that. Come on. Last question. My name is Jake Oaks. <clears throat> I'm going to start with a quick analogy, then turn it into a question. You got 20 seconds. We're already okay. over time. If there's a, a repairman who causes electrical issue to your oven and keeps catching fire because of some electrical issue and you get really good at extinguishing the fire, you wouldn't say you've solved the core issue by putting out fires. So how do we help the conservative movement understand that simply being reactive to issues is not solving our core problem? We've got to learn timeless principles. Yeah, no, I agree. So how do we do that? Um, we have to teach and we have to learn and we have to demand depth. You have, to, you have to reject just people that just talk about talking points all the time on TV. Just change the channel. Like, this is boring. This is banal. This is shallow, right? Teach me something. Come on. Talk about Solzhenitsyn. Talk about Kafka. Talk about Kessler. Orwell. Huxley. Dive into Plato and Aristotle, Aquinas and Augustine. Get into the great books that built the West. Once, when have you said something new? Tucker Carlson does a great job of this. Most don't. Right? Have you, got, have you gone deep into these ideas? Have you explained where we're coming from? And has this ever happened before? So you have to demand that from the people that are communicating with you, right? And if not, change the channel and stop supporting them. And then there is no reason why in your free time you cannot take Hillsdale online courses at like charlieforhillsdale.com. How do we play offense? We play offense by going deep because there is an unbelievably beautiful canon in the Western tradition to tell us what we are fighting for. I'm telling you, go on that journey. Challenge yourself. Read hard to understand books. Read Dostoevsky. Read the books that help build the West. Read Nietzsche, right? Which he predicted the downfall we're in. He was also a lot of garbage. But, you know, read Jefferson. And if, it, if that's too much for you, just read C.S. Lewis. Every Christian should read C.S. Lewis one thing at least once a year. Mere Christianity, screw tape letters, that hideous strength, abolition of man, Narnia. The guy was a legend, and it's very digestible. What am I getting into is that if you want to all of a sudden find as if, like, Charlie, I don't know what to do, spend time learning because you're not the first person to ask the question. The more you understand the thing you're trying to protect, the more willing you are to act on it. So go deep into it. And yes, go deep into the scriptures. Read the, read the word, the entire word, all 66 books. Read Leviticus. You know what Jesus and the founding fathers had in common? They both quoted Deuteronomy more than any other book. So maybe the book of Deuteronomy has something to teach us right now. You know that we get moral and civil law from Deuteronomy? You know we get separation of powers, consent to the governed? You know the entire U.S. Constitution was based on the teachings of Deuteronomy? Yet most pastors would not even dare. They can't even spell Deuteronomy, no. let alone do a teaching on Deuteronomy. Got to go deep. And let me close on this because it's great because I feel the sense of action. I feel commitment. But I see some of you, and I could tell you're rolling your eyes. You say, Charlie, I've done everything that's been asked of me. I watched Tucker Carlson. <laughs> I bought the pillow. I've done everything that has been asked of me. 
By the way, promo code Kirk at MyPillow.com, just so we're clear. Good job, Charlie. Good job. Keep them coming. I have relief factor. I reverse mortgaged my home. I bought that chair that goes up the stairs. I don't even know what it does. I've done everything, Charlie. Here's the question. If you have not lost something significant in the last three years, you are a spectator, not a participant. We need participants. Do beautiful things. Build big families. Build this church. We need more entrepreneurs. Go create a lot of wealth and give it back. Go employ a lot of people. You're tired of cancel culture and business? Go start your own business. You're made in the image of the creator. Go create something new. Stop complaining about it. Go support the heroes. There are three types of good people. There are good people that do nothing. Stop being that person if that is you. There are the fighters. Not everybody's a fighter, and that is okay. The fighter is George Washington in the arena. Fighters like Candace Owens, who's now working with us with Blexit at Turning Point USA. We're really proud of that, right? Fighters that are on the front lines like James O'Keefe. God bless that man. But just as important to the George Washingtons are the John Hancocks. You know, John Hancock was the number one financier of the American Revolution, signed the biggest signature of the, of the Declaration of Independence, but never picked up a weapon, never fired around. Wow. But he's equally as important. So be someone that helps the fighters. So don't be a good person that does nothing. No more spectator. That has to be the pledge you make to yourself tonight. I'm done being a spectator. I might not be a fighter, Charlie. I might not be the person to run for the school board or be a person to knock on doors. But, Charlie, I'm going to be there for you and for Turning Point USA, praying for you, fasting for you, maybe giving 10 bucks a month. I'm going to be there for you, James O'Keefe, to help you out. I'm going to be there and say, hey, Charlie, the way I'm going to help you is I'm going to create a billion-dollar business, and I'm going to give it back, and I'm going to be the George Soros 10 years from now to finance this new founding conservative movement. We yes. need that, by the way, whatever it is. So no more spectators. I love the name of your church, Awaken. And I'll, I'm doing a pastor's close, which is multiple approaches towards a close. No, I'm not going to do that. But, which is Awaken. That is what we need in this country. The greatest man to live in the 20th century was Winston Churchill. He was great because he was courageous and he was there for the moment. Winston Churchill was the only man smiling the day after Pearl Harbor. He was happy. He walked into the war cabinet, the thing of whiskey and a cigar, and he proclaimed to his war cabinet, he said, gents, we have won the war. They thought he was delirious, delusional even. They said, what do you mean we have won the war? And he said, no, the war is over. And then a very brave soul said, have you lost your bloody mind? <laughs> we are losing Royal Air Force members by the hour. The Nazis are b bombing London. They're planning an amphibious invasion. We can barely draft an army to defend ourselves. We're evacuating our children to Scotland. What do you mean we have won the war? He took a sip of whiskey and a puff of cigar, and Winston Churchill said, ah, I've got to know the Americans quite well, and they're a tricky, sometimes mysterious people, always late to the party, but never wrong. You see, the Americans, once they wake from their slumber, there's not a fight that they can't win. And I tell you here, my war cabinet, they are awakened, and the war is over. God bless you guys. Thank you so much. Wow, what an amazing word. I hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. Hey, listen, for more information about our church, go to www.awakenchurch.com or subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't already and download our app. It is amazing. It is chock full of incredible messages, 
information about upcoming events, and you can even support our ministry if you feel so inclined. We loved having you with us today. We look forward to seeing you again. God bless you. Live a life that is transformative. Bye for now.